Welcome to the MBG Podcast. Let's fire everybody. Episode number 63, the Message Board Geniuses Podcast. This is Who's. I got Casey, Joy, MBG. We we're off last week, so we haven't seen each other in two weeks, which feels weird after all this time doing the podcast. I thought we'd just kick things off by asking what you guys have been up to. Casey, I know, at least has some news, right? Yeah, I moved. <laughs> well, kind of. I bought a house. How about that? Closed on a house. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. All grows up and all grows up, you know? Spend a lot of money. Decisions. That's right. It's amazing how much so more gotta, money you spend after you close. We gotta just you know keep making all this money with the podcast, Casey, to help you pay for the That's house. Right. So. That's right. I even do on other podcasts too, as I know we'll talk about a little bit later on, just to you know supplement the income. At least enough to buy a couple of futons to put in there. Right. <laughs> My kid did get one of those speed bag chairs because we literally had nothing. Thank God our table kitchen table came yesterday so we were able to actually sit and have dinner at the table which was awesome but he had this one of these little shark beanbag chairs man it looked comfortable man it was expensive yeah those <laughs> beanbags man i don't big beanbag is really sticking it to us i'll tell you that right now. <laughs> as bad as big cutlery is that a- yeah. <laughs> we went that plastic with the we cutlery at pg <laughs> Fancy. You have to look and see how many episodes ago Nick Cutlery was. That was one of my favorite. <laughs> that was an early episode. That's a deep yeah, cut. <laughs> All right. What about you guys? What have you been up to? I've been being a nerd and reading a lot of books. That's good. You're still doing that. Did you see the look on MBG's face? And he just rolled his eyes like he's so disappointed in me or something. Like he, just, he's a disappointed. He used to get. He used to get so disappointed at me. Now it's you, Joy. I know. He literally pushed his chair back and like looked at the ceiling. <laughs> just think about all that wasted time. Well, it's so funny because in between chapters, I'm also watching college baseball. So some of your absolute favorite things in the world are the things <laughs> that I'm doing. I'm really just living a life to make you proud at this point in time. You're the antithesis of MBG, if I use that word correctly. I've read nine yeah. books in the month of February. Wow. In February. Wow. We're only up to 19th, Joy. Yeah, I'm a, I'm, I think I'm well. I think I'm over 20 on the year. I have not read 19 pages of anything. Yeah, I'm done with – once I finish the one I'm currently reading, it'll be 21 on the year. I'm still I sell textbooks and don't book. think I've seen 19 books. I started Jason Kirk's book whenever we had him on and haven't finished it yet. If that gives Me you too. Well, I'm doing really, it's really good. It has nothing to do with it. It's like, awesome. It's great. It just takes me forever <laughs> to finish a book these days. All right, so MBG, you haven't been reading. Or well, watching, watching college baseball. I'm still <laughs> mad about the Super Bowl halftime show and all those times I showed Taylor <laughs> Swift on the Super Bowl. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I'm off about that still. Get over it. I can't get over it, but I do have to apologize. Who's to you? We're recording this on Monday, and your who's just took a took a rough blow to Virginia Tech. And I don't know if you saw this, but I posted um, 
some reactions from the Virginia board, but then some lady responds. Did you see this? No. Looks like a very nice old lady. Becky Masson is her name. It says, I didn't even know Virginia had fans. Learn something new every day. This old lady. Is, this old lady. Is she a uh, Virginia Tech fan? Uh, she, she, appears Tech to be fan? A she appears to be a Mississippi fan. <laughs> <laughs> so some guy comes to your defense, you know, and he says that they have more seats than Ole Miss. And then she says, look, I'm all for the First Amendment, but please refrain from wasting my time with ignorant comments. Virginia is a low-end program. Do better. <laughs> a low-end basketball program? This is Becky Masson. Hey, <laughs> I mean, look at her. She's probably someone's grandma. In fact, she does. She actually, had, in her timeline, she's she definitely older than me. Like, how proud she is. Older than me. She's proud of her grandson, who's a YouTube star, she says in her timeline. And she's busting chops on Virginia. Becky Masson, <laughs> get after her. First of all, I don't know what I'm not aware of this Virginia Tech game that you're referring to. So, <laughs> hey, by the time this podcast comes out, that'll be old news. But exactly, you, you still got a score to settle with Becky Masson. I do. I, listen, about, I'm gonna, can we I'm talk gonna respond to the show. grandson for a second? That's why I just said she's proud of her YouTube. Oh, I know, but can we just talk about it? Because uh, I don't I'd think he calls him Sweetie Pie. <laughs> I think she calls him cutie patootie, is I think is the Ooh, term. He's always used. had problems with too many girlfriends, and I find that very hard to believe. <laughs> Catch a strays from, from Becky. Yeah, I'll have to uh, to check that out. I kind of checked off of Twitter uh, around halftime of that game. <laughs> so you're gonna have a field day tonight, buddy. Yeah, I did. I did post one thing on the timeline after the game just to troll Virginia Tech fans, and then I muted it. And uh, I'm gonna wait till after the show to go check out the replies. But I'm, I don't really think it was kind of a joke. But I, I don't think they really get my sense of humor. So I'm guessing they were mad about it. But you know, we'll find out after the show. <laughs> not as not as mad as Becky. Let's just Imagine. say it looks it looks good. It looks good. You're gonna have fun. Let's just say all right. All right cool. All right, so we're going to kick things off here with our mailbag question. This week's question comes to us from a friend of the podcast at Double Rods 1995, who asks, with the crazy coaching carousel over the last several weeks, if you could place one coach alive or dead at any program you wanted, who would it be and why? Casey, you want to kick things off? Yikes. I don't like this question. This question stumped me, Jason, and put me at a loss for words, which if you've listened to us or any semblance of time in the past, you know how hard that is to do with these questions. I think the obvious answer that I have to go with and that my co-hosts here hate me saying is Mark Mangino, just because I feel like I have to mention him as often as possible, but I'm not sure where I'd place him. And then my next tier of coaches would be like Ralph Regan. And truth be told, I was hopeful he'd be an offensive coordinator at Clemson when Dabo hired Chad Morris instead worked out okay for Clemson after Chad Morris left the first time. I think I'm going to go with Eli Drinkwitz to Florida. Now I'm sure you want a reason and I really don't have a good one. I just think that smug face and the dumb comments that he makes seemingly every week. And yes, I know I say seemingly a lot at a program that is dying to be relevant again and with a passionate fan base that lights up the message boards every week would be good for business. He carries himself with such a I'm smarter than you vibe. And while that's not hard to be smarter than me, I'm just tired of it. And I want him to have a tougher media to deal with. 
I think Bama would have been too easy to say. So I'm going drink to Florida to drown. Be interesting to see what happens there. Their AD was it was Missouri, right? Who's AD? Yeah. Now she's leaving today. I read. I don't know. Who knows what's going on? I read that part of it was that there was some tension between him and the AD, but who the hell knows? Um, Who starts fights with everybody? It's like he's probably the most unlikable coach in college football. That. I'm a Clemson guy, so I guess people don't right. like Dabo. But outside of Dabo, <laughs> with the Dabo lovers, he's the most unlikable. I player. like Dabo. Thank you, Joy. Do, Back team right side again. You know, I tried it out. You are, you're the one that switched up on me. I've always had to You got to rejuvenate team right side. <laughs> all right, Joy. Who are you going with? I'm sure that you all could guess who I'm going to go with. No. <laughs> There's just gonna... something missing in the world when Jimbo Fisher is not coaching an overrated college football team. And honestly, I'd bring him back to AM mainly because it was really fun to watch him go, you know, five and seven year after year. And I just miss making fun of him. I just miss the easy digs. I miss the quality time the, that we shared together. You know, I just, I miss it. Um, ironically enough, I have more engagement with Texas A&M people, <clears throat> Billy Lucci, now than I did when Jimbo was their coach. But I just really, I miss the easy digs and the easy shots. And, you know, it's just not, it's not quite the same without good old Jimbo. Staring and, up at the ceiling whimsically as you're talking about Jimbo. I feel like I should be riding in the back seat of a car with the rain and just when leaning out the window <laughs> watching as I drive away from him because I miss I, I miss him so much in the way that he was just the easiest punching bag known to man. And oh, you guys um, think he'll coach again? I don't know how old he is. I wouldn't. Well, His I wouldn't. ego is the size of yeah. the state in which he lived in, and so he would not take a job that he would feel like was beneath him. So I don't feel like he'll coach again. Maybe West Virginia. If West Virginia came open, maybe. Yeah, that's the only yeah. job I could potentially see him taking. Yeah, I don't think he's going back to be an OC. Mm-hmm. No. All right, MEG, who you got? Well, I need to see Herb back. So I was trying to figure out where the best place to send Herb was, and I kind of thought, what about Liberty? But they already hired you free, so they would probably mm-hmm. welcome him. It wouldn't be that big of a, a mishmash. So I thought about putting Herb at BYU would be <laughs> something to see for a few reasons. One, just because he's because he's Herb at BYU, but he's also the one who, when he went to Utah, was really responsible for elevating that rivalry even higher than it was. Uh, and so to see him go back, go to BYU would be epic. A little bit of a fish out of water, but it'd be quite awesome to watch the BYU fans have to accept Herb as their football savior. It'd be funny. I always forget about the Utah stint. <laughs> I no idea. I mean, obviously I remember when you bring it up, but for some reason it just doesn't come to mind when I think about him. Yeah, that, that's that was a weird matchup, but him and – BYU would be <laughs> epically weird. Herb to Iowa with Jimbo Fisher as the OC. Heads there you explode. go. <laughs> so for mine, I just want to make it clear that I picked this before the basketball game tonight. Um, <laughs> so it's not, it's not out of bitter. What well, is out of pettiness, but not out of bitterness. So I, 
100% for me, it would be for Justin Fuente to go back to Virginia Tech. Um, Frank Beamer built Virginia Tech into a perennial winner over a 29-year period, and Justin Fuente managed to undo everything Beamer built in less than six years, basically. Over his last four years, we had a better record. And the worst thing, of course, is Fuente actually lost to us, which literally never happens. And Virginia Tech fans never forgave him for that. I know it probably says something about me that I'd rather see Virginia Tech back in the gutter than send someone good to my own school (laughs) to pull us out of it. But yeah, that was the one that immediately came to mind. So I had to go with that one. I don't want them to be good again because their fan base is already getting to be talky-talky in the offseason. They had one decent season, and now they're going to be so good this next year, according to them. So, Have you seen their schedule? Their schedule is wild, like wildly easy. They're going to go – they're going to win 10 games. But have you guys seen Brent Pry in jeans? <laughs> <laughs> the word snug comes to mind, MBJ. <laughs> May be hungry. Uh, that will forever be one of my favorite. One of my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> I like you just muttering that under your breath, Casey. <laughs> that will forever be one of my favorite posts. All right. So, <laughs> on that note, that brings us to our next segment Genius of the Week. As always, each of us is going to nominate a player, coach, team, conference. Someone who did something particularly dumb in the last week. We'll put it to a Twitter vote and see who wins. For our last vote, Casey's nominee, Darius Rucker, won with 54% of the vote, followed by my nominee, the Met Rankings, with 28%. Joy's nominee, it's Johnny Broom, right? Am I saying that right? Mm-hmm. Johnny came in third with 11%. MBG's nominee, Darren Malinsky, came in fourth with 7%. So yours wasn't, lead, even, a, yours wasn't even a person. Yours wasn't even a person. <laughs> Listen, man, I know how to game the system. I'm just saying, like... <laughs> And I have been letting you guys pick first recently, so it's not even me jumping on the obvious. Let us do anything, who's we've called it earlier than you have. No, even today I said, "Hey, if you guys," I said today even I said, "If you guys pick your genius of the week yet?" I was trying to. We were slow. Listen, I'm just Casey called his last week. I'm I'm trying to make things interesting, Joy. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, it's a runaway right I'm now. I'm trying to act like you're doing us some favor, like you're pitying us. I'm not here for it. I don't pity you. I just enjoy healthy competition. <laughs> that's all. Uh, so, so I'm going to leave with 22 wins, followed by Joy with 13, Casey with 11, Courtney with one, MBG with zero. MBG, we're now 0 and 47. For reference, in October 2020, the Wildwood Warriors football team ended the longest High school losing streak in New Jersey at 47 games, knocking off the Lindenwold Lions 30-6. to Wildwood coach Ken Loomis dropped face first onto the turf as the final seconds ticked off the clock and later said he felt like Andy Dufresne after he escaped from Shawshank by crawling <laughs> through miles of sewage pipe. So, <laughs> Have you ever been to Wildwood? I have not, no. Yeah. He's, Is that he's, what it's not, off. he's not far off. <laughs> So, once again, MBG, you're in fine company. All right, so Casey, you got a win under your belt here. I think it was, that was your first one in a while. I think Joy and I have been going back and forth a little bit. So, you're back on even, the board. So who, who are you going with this I think week? Even Courtney had a win uh, in between my last win. But 
Uh, this week, I'm going with Chip Kelly. I'm using a little bit of artistic license with this one because his move from Power 5 head coach to at UCLA to Power 5 offensive coordinator at Ohio State was made official last week. However, it was just too good to not use this week. The flash in the pan, Kelly, has officially parlayed a couple of good years with Uncle Phil Knight's money in Oregon, no natties, mind you, into a head coaching gig in the NFL where he was canned, then back to college with UCLA, and really has not translated into wins, but maybe Chip actually is a genius and saw the writing on the wall and went ahead and got out in front of the inevitable at once a school with seemingly deep pockets offered him a step down. He jumped at it. Step down meaning in title. It's up for debate whether it's a step down in job. So for being proactive in his move from head coaching or from head coach to coordinator, Chip, I've won nothing yet. Keep getting high profile, high paying jobs. Kelly is my genius of the week. Hadn't he just checked out at UCLA? Like I, I was reading something about he just like wasn't recruiting, like wasn't meeting <laughs> with donors. Just basically, just I mean, they talk about quiet quitting. He was doing the loud quitting, right? Where he's just like, I'm not going to do anything at all. When they what weren't going to fire him for whatever reason. I mean, everybody wanted him yeah. fired, I think, and UCLA was going to fire him, and he wasn't going to work. Right? Uh, it was weird. I mean, it was. I, I wonder what would have happened had he not gotten a job. Right. Yeah, because I mean, he, I don't think he was recruiting at all. I think their class is like like one of the lowest they've ever had because he just basically was just hanging out, I guess, like looking for another job. So, I mean, honestly, all right, Joy, that's kind of who you going with this week. I'm not mad at him for it, if I'm being honest. Um, okay, I'm gonna. I last last minute switched up mine after confirming that I was allowed to it. So, my genius of the week is the incredible media mogul, which is Saturday Down South. Saturday Down South quote tweeted a former employee to garner engagement on a tweet that they had literally nothing to do with. That said, former employee was the one who was basically the face of their brand. He grew their social media by 600,000 people. And they decided that he was no longer of use to them, so they let him go, but are now proceeding to quote his tweets. So to no longer employ the person that you are still using to garner engagement off of, Saturday Down South is my genius of the week. That's a bad look. We're just, yeah. It's possible we know that person and are friends with him, oh. but we'll just leave that part out. <laughs> <laughs> All right, MVG. Is this a week? Yep, and I'm not going to have to climb through miles of sewage pipe uh, to do it. Um, but your genius may have. Well, I don't think so. <laughs> you know, I don't – we kind of make it a, a rule to not talk politics here on the show, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dip my toe in the, in the water for my genius of the week today. So my genius of the week is a Florida lawmaker – uh, who is seeking looser regulations on the killing of wildlife has claimed that black bears high on crack are breaking into people's homes and tearing them apart. Florida house member Jason Schof told a committee meeting that his house bill 87, which would make it almost impossible to punish someone for the unauthorized killing of a bear, isn't motivated by a dislike of bears in general. He says, we love bears, though it wasn't clear whether he meant his family, his staff, or their Florida Republican caucus in general. Bears are cute and cuddly and amazing creatures. No, it's only some bears that need to die. Which bears? 
the crack bears. We're talking about the ones that are on crack and they break your door down and they're standing in your living room growling and tearing your house apart, Shove told the committee. When you run into one of those crack bears, you should be able to shoot it, period. Right? This isn't some crazy piece of legislation like people have been saying. It's just to make sure the people of Florida can defend themselves from home invasions by violent, drug-addicted crack bears. So for proposing legislation allowing uh, Florida citizens to shoot bears high on crack, Jason Schoff is my genius of the week. Did he just watch cocaine and think this happens all the time. <laughs> I don't know. Okay, when I first read this, I was like, okay, this is satire. This isn't true. Right. It's, it's not? Totally, no, it's totally legit. Who's? I lived in Florida for uh, 12 years. And I mean, it is if Florida. I had a, if I had a nickel for every cocaine bear that I saw. <laughs> I mean, has this happened? Or is it just like... <laughs> So who's on cocaine? Who's the one who's, on crack? That's what I'm, just, I'm asking. I'm just reporting the news. That's all I'm doing. Right. I don't I just right. I like it. I like it. All right. So um, I can't compete with uh, crack bears, but my I'm like Casey. Mine goes back a little bit over a week. Um, but my genius of the week is Kyle Shanahan. Again, I know the Super Bowl was over a week ago, but I'm still going with him. He's he's obviously a great coach. 49ers have been very good for a long time. But he did several things to just tank the 49ers Super Bowl chances. Uh, first, he got away from the run in the second half, despite having arguably the best running back in football. Um, second, and this is much worse, he apparently didn't bother to make sure that his players understood the overtime rules. I'm sure you all saw this, where he had players coming out like after the game saying, "Oh yeah, we didn't we didn't know what the rules were," whereas Andy Reid uh, had you know drilled this into his guys' heads. And then finally, and most egregiously. The 49ers won the toss, elected to receive, which is just insane when you have Patrick Mahomes on the other side. Obviously, you want to defer, see what they're going to do on offense, and you've got a chance to match it. You know if you have to go for a touchdown or not. I read somewhere that when Fred Warner told the officials that they wanted to receive, that one of the officials looked at him and said, are you sure? Like, even the officials (laughs) were like, what the hell are you doing? And then, you know, I'm sure you guys saw Travis Kelsey on the sideline, like, basically jumping up and down, like, they took the ball. They took the ball. So for torpedoing yet another Super Bowl opportunity and then firing his defensive coordinator like he was the problem, Kyle Shanahan is my genius of the week. Rightfully so. Yeah, he just he just can't do it. I mean, they should have won. I, obviously, the missed extra point ended up being huge. But And listen, the one third down or fourth down he went for late in the game was awesome. I was thinking, oh, he's going to – get rid of all these skeletons now and they picked up that fourth down and they went in and scored. But then the overtime thing was just wild, man. Like I just, I thought they lost the toss. I assume they did. And then I just heard it wrong. So, (laughs) all right, before we move on to our next segment, we want to give a quick shout out to CFB home for sponsoring the MBG podcast. You can find them on Twitter at CFB home and online at fifthquarter.net. Also, we're doing a couple of cross promotions with other podcasts again this week. The first is with the Sickos Committee podcast. They had a new podcast drop last week titled Jack Ryan versus Jack Reacher versus Jack Bauer, in which they covered some classic Sickos content, including the death of the Pop-Tarts inventor, Taco Bell's Baja Blast creations, UCLA's new head coach, Alabama's new offensive coordinator, and much more. We're also doing a cross-promotion with the Slander U podcast, 
They haven't dropped a new episode since our last show, but they have lots of great content from last season you can check out. Finally, I'm going to give a shout out to the Filmstrip podcast, which our man Casey was on, I think, this week. He joined hosts Jay and Ron to discuss Varsity Blues. I believe the show came out today, so be sure to check that out as well. Casey, any comments on the pod? Was it fun? It was awesome. Those guys are fantastic. I know they were missing one of their of their hosts too, but yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. They definitely dove deeper than I did. <laughs> but, uh, but we you're saying they were we more tried. prepared than you were. Is that what you're but saying? Man, you know me in preparedness. I try, I try, I try. But man, they just they were they were so well prepared and, and really two great guys. So really enjoyed being on there and appreciate them having me. Awesome. Yeah, I'm going to listen to that when I get a chance. Okay, y'all, we have another great guest lined up for you this week. This week's guest is one of the best football writers around. He's a senior writer for The Athletic, co-host of the Until Saturday podcast, along with our friend Nicole Auerbach. He's also co-host of the Getting, Getting Over podcast, which was recently named the best wrestling podcast by the Sports Podcast Awards. Welcome to the show, Chris Benini. Hey, happy Welcome, to be here, guys. Chris. Good to have you. Good to be here. Been a fan of uh, the, the the Twitter account and everything for a while now. Good to meet you guys. Much appreciated. Yep. So usually uh, before we get into the post, we go around and have each of us ask you a question and just let you cook. Does that work for you? Yeah, sounds good. All right, strap in. Casey uh, usually meanders a bit in his questions. So if you need to get a drink or something, now would be a good time to do it. <laughs> Chris freaking Vanini, goodness gracious. Weren't you just on Feinbaum like 20 minutes ago? MBG was on there once. Make sure he tells you about that one time. But uh, no, we've had some unbelievable guests on the show, and I cannot believe we're, we're talking about message board wonderfulness with you, sir. So thank you so much for coming on to spend a few minutes in our absurd world. I'm a huge fan of your work and love reading you at The Athletic. I'm a closet pro wrestling fan, too, and love your show getting over with Adam Silverstein, the Silver King. I keep uh, trying to catch up with all the goings on in the world, but apparently I'm too busy. But it seems like you guys do that show daily or something. It's crazy. Uh, anyway, um, Football Writers Association Beat Writer of the Year in 2018, covering Michigan State, I believe. You covered Major League Baseball as well. I went to your LinkedIn and got tired at every place you've been. And, and you foster dogs. Good Lord. Is there a better person than you in this world? I'm not sure. All right. Uh, back to the show. We we love a good coaching carousel, and I'm not sure there's anyone better in that space than you. You're like the Adam Schefter of coaching carousel or Shams in the NBA, only better because college football is life. Uh, recent articles on EA Sports College Football 25, which we talked about a couple weeks ago. Sean Elliott moving from Georgia State as a head coach to tight ends coach at South Carolina. Isn't that career suicide? I'm a Clemson guy, sorry. Um, many more informative, really well-crafted and well-written articles. Uh, you've been at it for a long time and done everything, and therefore here's my question to you, finally. What current or former college football coach would be, make the best WWE champion, and why is it friend of the show Mark Mangino? Oh, Mangino, that would be a, that would be a good one. You know, he would he would win a Royal Rumble. They always say, you know, the biggest guys, you can't toss them over the top rope. That's what makes them <laughs> so difficult to, to, to do that. I mean, like, I think I always think about um, Luke Fickle, Mario Cristobal, guys who played football, played offensive line or defensive line. Some, uh, I forgot. So one, some coach has a wrestling background. I don't remember if it was fickle or not, but I remember my colleague Bruce Feldman did a story or a mailbag a number of years ago of like who would win like in a fight. 
I think I'd put Kyle Whittingham in there as well. Um, we'll be sneaky. Yeah. So like th- those, those are the guys I usually think about. The ones who played offensive, defensive line, or maybe linebacker. Not a the ton lower of center of gravity. Yeah, and they're used to being physical. They're good with their hands. They're good with their uh, footwork. That's what it takes. What about like the crazy factor, like Brent Venables? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, the energy would be there. Uh, we we know he would be good on the mic. He'd get the crowd going. That's a very important part of pro wrestling. Um, he he would he would definitely be up there as well. I, I think I think Sharon Moore. Uh, for what he showed as not only as interim head coach for what he did as, as a coaching job, but the way he got emotional on, on the microphone after beating Penn state and stuff like that, that that's how you connect with the audience. That's what they need before they strap you up with the belt. And that's how he got the head coaching job. How are we not throwing at Orgeron in this mix? <laughs> oh, Thanks I was just well. thinking current head coaches, but yeah, th- that would make a lot of sense as well. He would certainly be up there. No need to be rude about it. Okay. <laughs> His, his mic work would be legendary. <laughs> yeah. Now, the understanding him might be a little bit of a struggle. But, <laughs> but it would be entertaining. <laughs> All right, Joy. Did, 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 did any of you see the Iron Claw? Oh, I, uh, uh, I need to. R- really good Eric. movie. Take, takes place in, in Dallas, Texas, where I'm at. I think Ed Orgeron would really have thrived in world-class championship wrestling with the Von Erics back in the uh, 70s and 80s there. See, give Ed some credit, people. <laughs> All right, Joy, what do you what do you have for Chris? Um, okay, Chris. So I um, strong, read the Athletic every single day. I'm probably what they would call addicted, and I loved your story on playmakers. But for the people <laughs> that don't really know what it is, would you just give them like a little bit of an excerpt, kind of like fill them in? Because I am completely and totally fascinated by it. Playmakers, I can't believe I'm at the point where I feel like I'm dating myself, but the show came out 2003, which I guess now is not known to everybody because that's 20 years right. ago, but but it was this scripted drama that ESPN came up with uh, about a fake football team that had a bunch of real-life issues happen to it all at once. You had a quarterback addicted to painkillers. You had a rookie running back with a drug problem. You had an offensive lineman battling diabetes. You had a coach who had cancer. Uh, uh, and and you, you had a, a gay wide receiver facing homophobia. There's domestic violence. There's all these crazy things that actually happen, but they all happen to one team in like an eight-week span. And I was, I think, I must have been middle school at the time, and I was absolutely riveted by this show. The ratings were through the roof. It was one of the, it was like the highest rated scripted thing ESPN had ever done. Um, but very, very quickly, the NFL did not like it at all. Because while it wasn't an NFL team and it didn't use the NFL, it was portraying pro football players uh, in some very negative stereotypes. And ESPN at the time, was trying to get Monday Night Football. And you may know, notice that ESPN currently has Monday Night Football still, all these years <laughs> later. And uh, so after one season, ESPN decided not to renew it because uh, the NFL didn't like it. Even though the show was a smash hit, rating success, uh, the reviews were fantastic, uh, it got canceled. And, and, and that does not happen, like, ever to TV shows. And so with the story... 
I was early 2023 just going through my DVDs one day and I had Playmakers there. The whole DVD set I got in the late 2000s. And I was like, and I was looking through it and I was like, wait a minute, 2003, 20 years. That'd be a nice hook to, to, to look back on this. So it took like six, seven months, but I tracked down almost everybody who was in that show. Uh, the actors, producers, writers, and I did a big, long oral history about how the show was came together, how it was created, what it was like shooting it, why the NFL didn't like it, uh, and why it got canceled and the legacy 20 years later. Because I think anybody who watched that show then, it sticks with you. And anytime you see something crazy happen with an NFL player, you think, hey, that, that happened in Playmakers. And uh, so that was like the most fun I've ever had on a story. So I appreciate you reading it. I appreciate you bringing it up. I'm always down to talk playmakers. And that show holds up, by the way. You can watch the whole thing on YouTube right now. Uh, it's just up there. It's not on any streaming service, but it's up there on YouTube. Highly recommend it. I think it was like seven episodes. Really good. Highly recommend it. Thank awesome. you. Thank you. All right, so Chris, I did a deep dive on your Letterbox movie movie reviews. Man, you guys uh, completely scoured the internet for everything I've ever posted. <laughs> yeah, we don't mess around, man. <laughs> In my defense, I didn't stalk that art. It was your top tweet, so it's pinned. Well, I, first, I wanted to thank you for saving me like 70 bucks because my I have 13-year-old uh, twins, and they wanted to go see Madam Web over the weekend. And then I saw your review and talked them out of it, so thank you for that. Um <laughs> I've watched a ton of comic book movies with them over the last five to six years. They've seen, you know, all the MCU movies. They've seen pretty much everything at this point, except Madam Web. Uh, and I was wondering, what's your favorite comic book film? So, like, the one I rewatched the most is Infinity War. I, I, I think, not just because it's the biggest one, but when you've got, like, 20 to 25 different characters in that movie it is very very difficult to balance that out i thought they did a fantastic job with it that that is the one i rewatched the most i love it um the original iron man that that started a lot of it still holds up great my wife and i just the other day spent an entire day our valentine's day uh i was sick and, and she wasn't working we watched the entire christopher nolan batman trilogy again nice which I love. Dark is Knight that a perfect Valentine's Day or what? It, it really is. It, it really is. Dark Knight's still fantastic. And then I have a soft spot for the much maligned Batman v Superman of, I think, 2015. Uh, I really like that movie, even though everybody completely hates it. But uh, uh, I'll always stand up for that one. See, I guess I didn't helpful. pick one there. Do I, do I need to pick one? No, no, that's awesome. And actually, we haven't seen that one. I haven't watched that one with my kids, so I'm going to put that one on the list. So this worked out perfectly. And we are not going to see Madam Web. So it's a win-win. <laughs> Madam Web was tough. But like, I got a local theater. It cost like $6 to see a movie. I was like, you know, it's a Saturday. Might as well. And man, that was rough. Yeah, you don't have a lot of one-star reviews in your letterbox. So no, I don't. I figured, I figured it had to be bad. <laughs> All right, MVG, what do you have? 
So, Chris, I called your sixth grade teacher about one of those papers. That you were <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm teasing. Um, but my question for you, I did not research this because I didn't think I would find anything. But what's your experiences with message boards? Are you a message board poster? Are you a frequent visitor to the message boards? Or you just pick up what you can on Twitter? I used to be very much all in the message boards back in the mid to late 2000s when I was in middle school and high school and college. And then a little bit after that, um, once I became a <laughs> professional writer, so to speak, and once Twitter kind of took over my life, which it still very much does. And it's very much a problem. Uh, I've gone there <laughs> less. Um, I still check things out. I actually, it's one of the reasons I love your guys's Twitter account is that it like it, it, it sparks in me. Oh yeah. Let me go check and see what, fans are saying about this like a lot of times when i'll write a story about a team i haven't written a lot about and i'll start researching kind of what's the state of the team what's the mood of the fan base i'll go to the message boards what are they talking about what what is what what is on their mind what are they thinking about um, because twitter is very much a media echo chamber for the most part at this point that's about where the only ones who are left and and so um it's very important. I, I used to go on, let me think like red Cedar message board for, for Michigan state where mm -hmm. I went to school. That was a big one. Obviously um, I was a bit of a Michigan fan growing up. So I was the, the MGO board, the um, I forgot what, they keep changing names now, but one, one of the Michigan boards as well. When I was growing up, like back in the day, I was tracking recruiting like crazy, always going to those sites to, to see mm -hmm. where they were ranking people. So uh, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's something that makes college football unlike anything else. You know, you don't really have a lot of those in pro sports anywhere else. And so it's, it's unique and I, and I'm, I'm, it's important that they exist. It's important that they're there. It's important that they thrive. And I think that's good. So I'm, I'm curious how a Michigan fan ends up at Michigan state. Well, I, I grew up a big Michigan fan because they were good and Michigan State wasn't, you know, in football you <laughs> yeah, know, at the time. Right. It's, it's a reason I've always had kind of a tough relationship with the Lions uh, is because they were never good. So it wasn't there wasn't like a reason to like get into them. But as I was in high school, I started to to, to look at Michigan State more and be like, hey, this place is, is, is pretty cool. And, and I went on uh, I went on a visit there uh, and I loved it. I was like, this place is actually amazing and i actually got teased that in high school for switching from michigan state to Mich michigan to michigan state at the time right and i was like i don't know i like it. I, I might go there and and, I, and i'd applied to michigan and and i remembered my dad telling me he was like if you go if you get into michigan would you go and i'm like i don't know because michigan state has a journalism program that's what i want to do and it's a really good student newspaper. It's like, I don't, I really like it there. It's beautiful. Like, I don't know yet. And then that, like we're driving home. And then that day we get home and I get a, a deferral letter from Michigan. It's like, we'll, we'll reevaluate this in like a couple of months or whatever. I was like, nah, screw it. I'm going to state, you know, that's just, and, and that was it. And that's, that's what it was right there. So uh, that was, that was the story of that uh, little transition there. Awesome. You were at Scout too. Scout was my go-to back in the day for recruiting. That was so one. You were there I, for I, a did, bit? I did a little um, Detroit Tigers minor league baseball writing for them, like year or two out of college. 
Um, so yeah, the tigestown.com, I, I think they're still around. Um, they do the minor league stuff and it was, uh, it was some freelance work out, out, you know, out on the side when you're out of college looking for work. Spent many a day in Lakeland. <laughs> oh yeah. I, w- I went down there in 2008 spring training. Well, awesome. Let's, uh, I, I got a few message board posts uh, that I want to read to you and maybe get your reaction to Chris. Um, the first one that I have is from an Alabama fan, and I think we've read similar posts very similar to this, like on the last three or four episodes, pretty much ever since Nick Saban retired. And I find these posts to be extremely rich, especially as a fan of a G5 program, to see fans of uh, Power 5 teams crying about the system and how unfair it is and how everyone cheats. Um, so I'm curious your reaction here. Uh, this is from an Alabama fan. Uh, this is on Bama 247. And he's all upset um, about the way things are going. He says, when cheaters, in all caps, get away with it and walk away with all the marbles, others will follow suit, and they have, like OSU, poaching our players and others and paying them big bucks to come to OSU. And then getting a head coach, Chip Kelly, to leave a future Big Ten team, UCLA, and go to work for Ohio State as their OC. That is unheard of, and I don't believe – has ever been done before. So you know they are paying him big bucks to do that and then spending over $13 million on NIL in one year. Seriously? Yes, Ohio State is cheating, and so are others because the NCAA gets sued every time they try to punish a team for cheating. Uh, shake my head. Do you find that as humorous as I do, Chris? <laughs> yeah, well, first off, Chip Kelly is taking a pay cut to, to go to Ohio State. He's, he, he, he's not... He was making six million dollars at UCLA. He's probably going to make about two at Ohio State. So I, I don't think, I don't think they. I, I'm not sure how big bucks got him to take a two million dollar paycheck, uh, to a two two a four million dollar pay cut. I'm sorry, to to go there. Um, it it is interesting though because, you know, Alabama is a bit behind in NIL, and it fell behind. Because one, Nick Saban was there, and so everybody trusted it would be fine. But two, I don't think people realized until Nick Saban left, players were taking the Nick Saban discount. They were going to Alabama not because they were getting offered the most money. They were going there because they knew within three years they'd be an NFL draft pick because the the track record of getting guys into the NFL is ridiculous. And now that Nick Saban's gone, Kalen DeBorick doesn't have that to offer. And so they are in a fit. The fans are in a bit of a are having a bit of a crisis right now. You know, they've had, had several coaches join the staff and leave the staff now. And it's just like, this is what the rest of the world has been dealing with for the last 15 years. <laughs> welcome. Welcome to the party. <laughs> so is this something they're going to experience for the uh, immediate future and that they're going to watch others surpass them? Like obviously Ohio state or maybe even in state with Auburn or. Yeah. I, I mean, Caleb Downs was, was a big one, obviously. You know, you, you you lose him and he ends up going up north. That's a very, very big loss. Um, Ohio State, man, like, it's going to be interesting. I think Ole Miss is another sign of this. Teams that feel like they have windows, you got a lot of Ohio State guys coming back who were going to be NFL draft picks because they want to beat Michigan and win a national championship. And NIL is not going to replace NFL money, but it's a reason not to leave. And that's why I think it's good for college football. Like all this bemoaning from everybody about NIL is bad and this and this and that and that. Getting a lot of really good college football players staying in college football because of that. And 
basketball too, a lot of sports. And I think that's ultimately a good thing. But yeah, Ohio State's obviously putting a lot of money toward that. But most of the money is toward the guys staying. It's not the the, the other guys. A couple of guys here, Quinchon Junkins, Caleb Downs. Yes, those are those are massive players. But it's really the players they're keeping that stand out. They have to win this year, though, don't they? I mean, they the, yes. with all, all the, the resources that they're doling out. If they, if they go 11 and 0 and lose to Michigan again, oh. that's going to be tough. Now look, we are going to have a 12 team awesome. playoff. They we're going to have a 12 team playoff. They would be in the playoff if you lose to Michigan and then make a run to the national championship game and and, and lose there like then it's a tough call, but but yes, if they don't win the national championship and or beat Michigan, going to be a lot of fire coming out of there. It would be good for business, our business. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the irony here, too, is them accusing Ohio State of cheating, right? When all the stuff they're doing now is legal. I mean, that's the. Well, like that's all the, well, all the things this guy's complaining about is, you know, pretty much allowed now under the rules, the rules as they were. Yeah, sort of. I mean, technically, technically not. I don't know. We're, nobody's really sure. Who knows when that judge is going to bring down? Who knows when that judge is going to bring down that ruling at some point? Um, but yes. <laughs> So Casey talked about that Michigan-Ohio State game being good for business for us. There's another game coming up this season that's going to be extra good for business, and that is the renewal of the Texas A&M-Texas rivalry. I don't know. I've never experienced that really. Have you, Chris? And what's that going to be like? I have never experienced it. I live in Texas, but I've only been down here since 2016, so after the game went away. I I do not know, and I'm really looking forward to that. Perhaps (laughs) – like honestly, perhaps more than any other game this season, when I think about it, like that's what college football is about. That game. Uh-huh. Yeah. So you know, Texas A and M fans seem to meet this uh, Texas to the SEC with some apprehension. I think. I think they're concerned uh, with Texas. So there was this post on Texags saying we need to already be in negotiations with the Big Ten right now. Please um, go <laughs> go. I will say that sentiment, that's one post, but that sentiment, at least on the message boards, has been kind of out there of, hey, we need to move to the Big Ten. Is that realistic? Is that something that they would ever consider, the Big Ten would ever consider? Please go. What what is the context? Like you, (laughs) I saw that, and my first thought was, why? Is it because because they want to get away from Texas? Is it because they think the Big Ten would be easier to win? (laughs) The, the answer All is yes. Up. This was actually in response to Chris Del Conte coming out saying that they want to play on Thanksgiving. And apparently anything that Texas wants to do, Texas A&M doesn't want to do. I gather that, because they don't want to feel like Texas is controlling. That the game used to be on Thanksgiving or right around Thanksgiving. <laughs> right. I used right. to wait. I used to, I watched it as a kid around Thanksgiving. So I, I'm not, I'm, that's honestly something I really miss about Thanksgiving since that game went away. Um, look, I don't look. It's not a coincidence that Texas's move to the SEC was broken by the Texas A&M writer for the Houston Chronicle. You know, like <laughs> Texas A&M not loving this, and understandably so. They had a decade-long head start on Texas in the SEC, and now Texas is coming in with A&M having just fired their coach and Texas having just made the playoff. Like they squandered that. They had that opportunity there, and they blew it. And so, yeah, I understand why they're why they're upset and everything and um and, and all that but no I, I don't think it makes any sense to leave the for the big ten. 
And like it I said, we want the, the Texas in the world, Chris. Don't tell him that. We <laughs> want the Texas game to happen. <laughs> they could still so play. I, yeah. I just get the impression that if Texas said a football game should be four quarters, Texas a would say, no, it should only be three quarters. Um, just because they didn't want Texas to control the narrative there. All right, let's move on. So there was another post that caught my attention this week, and that was a, from a Michigan board. Before I read this, I just want to get an idea from you of how good you felt like this Michigan team was last year that won the national championship in, in terms of historical context. I mean, was this one of the better teams that we've seen? I feel like we're not going to feel like that until the NFL draft happens. And five years from now, when, if, when we see how many guys from that team are playing and playing well in the NFL, Jim Harbaugh said before the season, I think that he thought they could get like 18 draft picks. I remember Bruce Feldman wrote it and I was like, what? <laughs> they might get 18 <laughs> draft picks. Like they, they, they really might. And, and, and the biggest question mark, is a quarterback. It's JJ McCarthy. He went through his whole college career with me not yet knowing if he's good or not, you know? Right. And so that that's hard to say. He might go to the NFL and be really, really good. I've seen some really, really good stuff from him and some really bad stuff from him. It's very weird that he he went through his entire career. They won a national championship with him never having to win them a game. But I think that's just a credit to how good their offensive line and defensive line was and their ability to run the ball. It's weird, but that's what happened. You can't deny it when, when, with what they did at the end. I'm not an NFL scout, Chris, but he's 2015 Jake Coker to me. <laughs> I, he's probably going to go in the first round too. And yeah. takes, Unlike you, Jake you, guys, Coker. you guys will have plenty to work with on that. I'm sure. <laughs> Well, this Michigan poster, a guy named Go Blue, Go Maze 25, wonders if that Michigan team could beat the 49ers or the Chiefs. He says, I could see it, not impressed with either of these teams. This was as he must have posted this as the Super Bowl was, was happening. He says, give me Michigan winning by seven. Both, both of these teams' O-lines would struggle against Michigan's interior pass rush. That's not even remotely true, right, Chris? <laughs> the thing to remember about NFL teams, about pro teams of all kinds, um, and I always think about this during um, preseason, every NFL team is a college all-star team. You know, like every single one. And so, no, of, of course, of course, Michigan wouldn't beat the 49ers. No, no NFL team could. I don't think the best Alabama team recently could. I don't think the best Kentucky basketball team recently could beat an NBA team. Um, you just, you people don't realize how good professional athletes are. Like it's truly unreal. If you see them in person ever, every NFL hit is like a freaking car crash. Every NBA player who you don't think is any good, who's sitting on the bench is incredible. Uh, it's just the tippy top uh, of that group. And when Michigan, if Michigan gets 18 draft picks, we may, people may throw it out there. Hey, could they have done this or that? But no, of, of course. Not. Yeah. Now you seem to think their defense could hold Mahomes in check. And I mean, they gave up 20, 24 to Maryland. So I'm pretty sure. I mean, I mean if no, if, if no NFL team can keep Mahomes in check, of course, right. a college team would be right. No problem. <laughs> we'll Scheme that right up. 
Yeah, I don't think Michigan's going to run the ball 30 times in a row against the uh, 49ers or the Chiefs or however many times they ran against Ohio State. I mean, probably not. So, yeah, <laughs> probably not going to happen. We've seen Nick Bosa and Chase Young against Michigan before. Oh, yeah. <laughs> now, now they're yeah. they're better now than then. <laughs> right, right. All right, last one. This comes from uh, our friends at Clemson. And this was from a poster named Loving It. And apparently he had just taken a trip to Universal Studios. He says, through a selective breeding program at Tailgates, I'm afraid that you suck fans. I think he's talking about South Carolina fans. Maybe maybe overpopulating. And some of you Clemson, Clemson fans are not doing your part to reproduce. At Universal Studios this weekend, Thursday through Sunday, and until yesterday, it was clearly dominant more Gamecock clothes than Clemson. Admittedly, I only wore my orange T-shirt with large tiger paw at just the correct angle while on the plane Thursday and at the park that day. Finally, yesterday, I saw a few more Clemson fans, but at least when I was younger, I thought anywhere in the South, I was seeing more Clemson than you suck. Uh, I've helped make four little tigers myself. At least she says they're mine. Do your part, peeps. (laughs) Hey, I, I appreciate the humbleness at the end of that. It may, they may not be mine. Right. <laughs> and I'm paying for hey, them. We Clemson fans are nothing if not self-aware, you know? Right. Well, so here's, I, what, here, here's my first question. What, when was that from? Well, was he expecting a lot of Clemson or South Carolina fans at Universal Studios for some reason? <laughs> and wearing their gear? I don't know. This was from this was week. A, what, so. Was it baseball maybe? I, I don't know. Maybe baseball was there. I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> I retract so that like, self-aware comment. <laughs> when uh when i went to i went to disney world with my family six seven years ago whatever like that and i took a note of every single team i found every college like a really really long note i'm i don't even know how i could find it in here in my notes or somewhere but um that is a fun thing to do and i can understand why why um people would look for it but look I, you sent this to me, and I looked it up. Clemson's enrollment uh, undergraduate—it's about twenty-three thousand. South Carolina is about twenty-seven thousand, but if you include the entire system, ends up being more like fifty thousand. So, like that—that's—that's that's, I think the bigger—that's part of the issue. South Carolina's not about pumping out more babies; it's about pumping <laughs> out more graduates. You know, and that just creates those numbers. That that's why UCF feels like it's a budding powerhouse because it's graduating thirty thousand kids every single year. You know, that stuff adds up quickly. Um, and 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 look, you you never know. Like your kid may grow up to like a different school, like me in the Michigan Michigan State thing. Things yeah. can things can flip. Things can can switch. Now, let me ask you this: the you suck. What what is the what is the play on words there? Where does that come from? Like, like is it U- Michigan USC. State? They, right, but like when, when <laughs> Michigan State fans on the message boards refer to Michigan as scum, S-C and then U-M. You suck is adding a lot of letters. In there. <laughs> yeah. We didn't, we didn't I, again, the self-awareness, I retracted that comment and the smart thing. I retract. <laughs> <laughs> they call us taters. We call them coots. I mean, they, they, they we're not really thinking too deep on this. Because I mean, <laughs> they got cops everywhere. There's a lot you can play off of. 
mm. not to get into various parts of the anatomy, but it's kind of backwards. What, where, where did, where does taters come from? Is that something I, we can appropriately? <laughs> I think they're just saying we're dumbass. Which, I mean, this post kind of. <laughs> I mean, Michigan, Michigan, that. Michigan State used to always be referred to as Moo U. Uh, from Michigan fans for the farm stuff because it was mm-hmm. agricultural school and all that. So everybody's God got their everybody's got their, nice their funds in this. Yeah. So I guess we learned that there's there's two different roads we can take to get more T-shirts at uh, Universal Studios. Either have more graduates or just pump out more babies. Um, <laughs> Clemson, South Carolina seem to be taking uh, diverting paths, but. Uh, <laughs> Whatever works, I guess. Yeah. Yep. Well, Chris, we appreciate you coming on. It was awesome. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, Chris, yeah, thank thanks, you so much. Chris. Thanks for playing thanks along for having with me. us. Yeah, I was going through my notes, seeing if I, I, I had a real long list of Disney, and I wanted to see who what school I found the most, but I can't find it. I don't know where it I was. It was LSU. It. You don't have to look. We want to ask you, too, where to find you. Yeah, just uh, at Chris Vanini everywhere everything is. There are no other Chris Vaninis, so don't worry about it. Um, V-A-N-N-I-N-I and theathletic.com for most of the stuff that I write. Awesome. Awesome. We really appreciate it. All right. That'll do it for this week's episode, the MBG Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review. You can check out more content at messageboardgeniuses.com. And we'll see you next time, losers. Oh,